Welcome to the teaching ministry of Paseo del Rey Church in Chula Vista, California. Good morning, everybody. I uh, just want to thank Matt. Thanks a lot, man. And you guys. Uh, wow. I want us to continue to worship. We're not done worshiping. Um, we're going to look at some things about just our God, the great God that we serve, the one who owns us, the one who bought us. Even thinking about that last song and every song we sang, but particularly the idea that it's his breath that fills our lungs and so. We cry out to him, and we say to him these different things about how great he is. Great are you, Lord. It's his breath that fills our lungs. Um, Just the fact that he's a communicator, that's what we're going to talk about a little bit this morning, and hopefully um, gain a little more appreciation for what's going on even now as we're communicating. I guess I'm communicating. You're listening. But... uh, just the things that are happening when we communicate. And the reason that that even is, is tied back to God's nature, just who he is, uh, and him designing us and making us in his image. So let's start in, in Psalm chapter 29. In the Bibles there under your seats, it's on page 551, Psalm 29. just want to read nine verses of this. Communication is something that uh, I think about all the time. I'm the director of training at Radius, um, which Derek mentioned to you guys. We're equipping families, North American families. We're in Tijuana because it's a great context for them to learn some things. Um, But we're equipping them to represent this great communicating God in places where access to his truth is not available because of a language barrier. So that's what we're all about. And uh, as you guys are kind of building up for this really awesome opportunity you're going to have here with a perspectives course being offered here on Monday nights, Derek will give you more details on that. And I know there's a table out there. Uh, Good friends of ours and co-workers, Carl and Myra Miller, are helping everybody get uh, signed up for that. I've been asked, I got a note, an email from Pastor Gary last night. We don't know each other, but like he's thinking about you guys, and I know he's picturing this, and he's thinking, okay, what's this Ron guy going to do with my people, you know? So he's praying for me, and, uh, and I'm, I'm praying for him. But the, what they explained to me is that you guys are, you're going through Galatians, but you're also bringing in every few weeks uh, missions speaker as you lead up to kicking off perspectives. And so I'm really honored to be with you guys here, and we're going to focus a little bit on just this aspect of God's character. And honestly, I really do hope you'll just let your heart uh, worship God for the amazing thing of communication, that just the, what's happening right now. Um, if you think about it, you know, like... I'm creating vibrations, right? And uh, in the air, that's all, you know, little vibrations are going out there, creating sound waves. And then you've got all these really intricate little bones in your ears that are 
capturing those movements and banging out little messages that go into your brain, and then your brain can turn all that into meaningful imagery. As long as I'm speaking a language that you know well, that's, that's taking place right now. And it's amazing uh, that you're actually creating, like if I start talking about the ocean, which I hope to do in a minute, you'll like, oh, okay, I know what he's talking about, right? It's amazing. It's just little vibrations going on out there. And the way God designed us, because he's a communicator, and he made us in his image so we can do this. And then he's entrusted us with a huge privilege to actually represent him and go out and do this on his behalf. So let's read uh, Psalm 29, first nine verses. I'll just read it out here. Ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. And just notice the power, the power and majesty of his word. The voice of the Lord is over the water. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. Verse 4, the voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. You ought to go out and try screaming at a cedar sometime. See if you can pull that one off. The Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon the country leap like a calf, Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. The voice of the Lord shakes the desert. The Lord shakes the desert of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the forest bare. And in his temple all cry glory. It actually does provoke worship to think about what God accomplishes through merely communicating, through merely speaking. And if you think about the creation, which in Genesis 1-3 it says that God said, let there be light, and there was light, and everything else. He just spoke. He spoke these cool things. Just, he just spoke. And you think, well, did he need to, right? Because there's no one there listening at, at that moment. There's no one. There's no ears, you know, with the little all that apparatus going on. But this is God being God. For all eternity, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have enjoyed this perfect relationship, perfect fellowship, perfect communion, perfect communication. That's who he is. That's our God. And when we talk about this thing called missions, it is so right down the middle of just what God does and who he is. God never asked around, like, what would a good God be like? And then someone suggested, well, a good God would probably communicate clearly. And then so God, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do that. He's just being who he is. He could have been a terrible God, the one who made this whole world. He could have been terrible. Nobody had the right to shape him. He just is. And when he is who he is, he's super powerful and he uses communication to do very powerful things. So even from the beginning, when he spoke, he, that was the way he brought into existence all this thing around us. 
I was in the ocean last night till about dark. Uh, a, couple, a couple students, um, Candy and I, we live in Tijuana, just a couple blocks from the beach. And so I, I keep a couple surfboards there in case we get students from Oklahoma and Iowa, and they've never seen that, like, moving water out there. Like, what is that thing? So um, it's always interesting, like, who wants to try this, right? Who's, yeah, Ron, teach me how to surf. So two, two single ladies, one from Oklahoma, one from Louisiana. I said, now, this isn't like a Louisiana swamp out here, so, like, this water really moves around. Oh, yeah, she knows. So we got them out there, and I'm not going to tell you about you know, what they did and how well they did or didn't do, but I, I want to tell you that it absolutely exhausted me trying to stay in the water for like two and a half hours, holding, trying to hold their board still so they could get on it and kind of, you know, I'm doing everything. All I got to do is lay there, basically, <laughs> and then pop up when I yell at you, you know? So that, that was the fun. My point... God just spoke that thing. Just, okay, ocean, let's do that. Boom. Waters. Let's separate the waters above from the water. Uh, let's bring all the dry land together, and let's keep the ocean where it is. That thing just wore me out, you know, just a couple hours trying to stand in the, in the middle of all that stuff. And God is like nothing, nothing at all for him to create this never stopping, never resting, amazing machine out there called the ocean. And just standing in it a couple hours trying to help those girls. You know one thing I will say about those young ladies? They have come to Radius, as everyone who shows up at Radius, with a real heart to just um, be used by God to take his truth, the life of who Jesus really is, and take that life and that message to, to language groups that have no access to that truth. And they don't, until they get in our classroom and we start explaining to them some of the things that that's going to cost, they don't have a full picture of that. But I like that, and I really just cheered and cheered and cheered for them, yelling over the, over the top of the noise of the ocean out there, because, you know, just that little step of being courageous, jumping out in the water, they've never been in that thing before, uh, trying to get on a board and... Uh, just trusting the Lord for things they've never done before. Even that thing, that's a fun one there, to go out in the ocean and try and surf. But that's kind of a picture of what these guys are doing and, and what I want, I want us to all think about here today as well. Just, I'm not great. I'm not awesome. I don't have the ability to do any of these things. But um, Lord, is there something I can do? Is there some way I can participate in this thing that you're doing as you communicate your truth about who you are and what life is really all about? Is there a part that I can play? Because I would love to be a part of what you're doing, God. Like That's the kind of worship that I feel we started right here with the prayers and the music, and I think I just want us to continue. You guys are studying Galatians, so turn to Galatians chapter 1, please, if you've got your Bible there, 1-8, all right? Because you guys, you guys are in Galatians, and I want to make just one, one little point here. In this bringing a missions focus to today, bringing the, 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 the idea that God is making himself known, and he's actually entrusted us with a very big part in that job of making him known. Um, 
So what's the deal with communication? And I want you to start thinking about God as like the great communicator, the model communicator, the one we want to imitate as we try to make him known. What is he like in terms of his communication? Let's be like him, right? So I want you to just be thinking about that with me. So in Galatians 1.8, you see that, you see Paul in the middle of this thing, and you guys went through this with already on a few Sundays back probably. Even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. Now, different Bible translations you might have right there in your hands. It's super, super strong language. Paul is calling upon an eternal condemnation on the person who comes back in, even if it's himself. He comes back and he changes the message a little bit. And the point I want to make on this, he's not talking about changing the message from Jesus Christ died for you to the Hindu gods are the way of truth. He's not talking about that. He's talking about people that are all standing really close right here. Jesus died for me, and they're all saying, amen. But some of them are saying, and in addition to that, my behavior is integral. My obedience to the law is a crucial aspect of me getting God to forgive and accept me. So it's a very, we might think, hopefully among yourselves here, you, you see how huge that difference is. But Paul makes a big deal about it. They're all naming Jesus. They're all talking about the importance of Jesus, but they're just getting this thing a little bit off. And that little bit is life and death. For Paul, that's heaven and hell. If Paul, Paul says, if I come back, an angel shows up. You can imagine what if an angel showed up right here? I'll tell you right now, I'm muting my microphone and I'm sitting down right there. I don't see what's going on. I'm not going to, hey, you and me, let's do this together. An angel dropping down in your presence. And Paul says, even if that happens and that angel starts to speak just a little to one side of this, may he be eternally condemned under the wrath of God. And Paul himself, if I come back and do that, may I suffer the eternal condemnation of God. So again, in this illustration I'm bringing, or this example I'm bringing you of how God works and how God communicates, clarity is hugely important. Clarity. There's a huge difference between me saying that 2,000 years ago there was actually a historic event, a man who is also the son of God, came. He lived a perfect life. He died. He said that that death pays for my sins. Based on what he did, I can have forgiveness with God. My job is to submit, to, to just accept that that was accomplished and to ascribe my faith to that truth. That thing that he did, it's true. It paid for my sins. I am actually, I stand before you today as a forgiven man based on what he accomplished. Done. Praise God. I hope I live out a reflection of that my whole life, but every time I fail, every time I stumble, none of this can shake. This happened without me having anything to do with it. No one can shake it. No one can take me out of his hand. No one can go to him and say, hey, Ron, you know that Ron guy you purchased? Not that great of a buy. And he goes, 
yeah, I know what I got in the deal. And he's my son. So back off. Praise God. You know how different that is. I want to make it really different in your minds. So I'm walking way over here to, Ron, Jesus died for you. Now here's what you got to do. You believe in him. You bring him into your heart. You make him the Lord of your life. You submit to him. You obey his commands. You give your life to him. And on and on and on goes the list. Really? Like if I do all of that, what happens? Oh, then you'll be his son. Really? Has anyone here actually obeyed all of his commands? But that's sometimes, if we get it just a little bit off, we start to imply what he did. That was a good start. Now, there's a bit on you, Ron. You want forgiveness? You want God to accept you? You want God to love you? Okay, I'm not trying to create a big problem for you here today. I'm just saying, Paul says that difference is worth calling down the condemnation of God. We want people 100%. Oh, we're going to live holy lives. We must live holy lives. But we live it based on what Jesus Christ accomplished for me. I'm saved, you guys. Truck runs me over. I try to teach another person how to surf. I go down and drown and don't come back up. I'm good. I am going straight into the presence of God because it's not all of a sudden a question, how well did Ron live? It's, did Jesus Christ pay for every one of his sins? That's the only question. Clarity of communication, you guys. Clarity of communication. God makes a huge deal about it. Paul makes a huge deal about it right there. And I want to tell you guys, when we go out, I think you know it's a big enough challenge right here in San Diego. If you've grown up as a native English speaker, talking with other people who have grown up as native English speakers, even if they've grown up in the same cultural context of Southern California, you know how difficult it is to actually assure yourself that you've accomplished clear communication, that what you meant to say is actually understood. Are there any spouses in here that have ever experienced that? Come on, you guys. You think you've made yourself perfectly clear. And your spouse is like, well, yeah, you made yourself clear. Here's what you said right here. And you're like, I did not say that. We know. We know that it's difficult, even in our own culture. So we're talking about missions, and we're talking about taking the life of Christ and the truth of who God is and taking that to a language that has never had access to it. You're, it's not just the linguistics. It's the whole worldview issue of what the people I'm speaking with how they are going to interpret even when I speak their language very well. Now what I get to do is deal with what we deal with, English speaker to English speaker. You say God is love to anyone in San Diego. What in the world might that mean? What in the world might... Oh. Love? Like, what is that? You got a lot more work to do than just throwing out... And that's people that speak your language. So in this thing that I want us to talk about today in terms of mission and our engagement with, with what God's doing in the world, and particularly in the unreached language groups, I just want us to think about precision and clear communication, okay? It's not that you might have a, an accent, people can tell that you weren't born in a certain place, that's fine, 
That's fine. It's difficult to overcome all those things. But to become a proficient communicator in the language that you're going to communicate in, that's on you. It takes a lot of hard work. That's what we equip people to do down there at Radius. And that's what's sitting before us. The first thing I want to say about it, well, is that I'm not proposing that this is a, a, a missiological method. I'm not promoting uh, neither that it's a method, you know, clarity of communication. It's just a, it, it's a, mis, it's a missions thing. You need to be clear. It's not that. It's rooted in God's character. I'm saying let's imitate God. I'm saying let's be like him. Let's see how he enters into the socio-cultural world of mankind, and how does he engage? We got to watch Jesus. How does he engage? Does he talk in ways that the people around him understand him? They might hate him for it. That's probably because they did understand. They knew exactly what he was getting at. So I'm also not saying that we, we're, we do this because it works in the sense that, well, if you're just a clear communicator, you'll get the gospel out there or whatever it is you're trying to teach and people will respond positively. No, not at all. Jesus, the perfect communicator, was hated for the message that he brought and he was loved. It just depended. But people knew what they were responding to. Let me tell you a little story. Because uh, in missions, you guys... There's something strange that happens. There's something that once we decide that this is something God's really involved in, now we don't have to be careful. Like God will kind of overcome a lot of things. It's something I run into a lot. Uh, and I'll contrast that with something else. Like you need a surgery, right? So you go to a, do- you go to a surgeon. What do you want to know about that surgeon? That he's good that he knows what he's doing, that he's skilled, that he's, he's highly capable. You want to know that. And it's not like you're trying to say God won't be involved. You just know that that's important. You, you want the best. And actually, when it comes to learning how to play the piano or play the drums or play the guitar or change the spark plugs or diagnose an illness... We just know that certain skills are required in order to do it. And we don't expect God to just jump in and fix it. Now hang with me because I'm trying to make a point here. If I go back here and I bang on those keys just randomly, I don't know how to play keyboard. So it would be, it would be interesting what would happen there. You guys would hear whatever random stuff I put out. Even if I was really feeling the song, like I love the song, I'm totally into the song, it won't transfer. And God does not jump in there and fix all the sound waves so that you guys hear high quality, beautiful keyboard work. You won't. You'll hear garbage. You'll hear a mess. It'll wreck your day. (laughs) Same thing with a surgeon. Well, I'm sure there's a problem in here somewhere. Let me just cut open and we'll, we'll take a look. It's like, guys, God has said very clearly that he is entrusting the message of reconciliation to his people. And he actually, I, I, I'm telling you, I've been, we've lived our whole lives and our whole adult lives in this context. There are people that move faster through language acquisition and there are people who move, move slower. I do not see God jumping in there for the, 
no matter where you are on that scale, and fixing improper, irrelevant, poorly phrased communication. He doesn't do it. And he's totally invested. It's life and death that you make sense of his truth, but he doesn't jump in and fix it. What in the world? Why wouldn't he? I don't know. You can take that up with him, but what I think is that it was a serious, partnering, loving thing that he wanted to do when he said, 2 Corinthians 5, if you read there like verse 14 all the way to the end of the chapter, that he is giving us the ministry of reconciliation. He's entrusting to us the word or, or message of reconciliation, entrusting it to us. I think he's saying, guys, I'm not giving this to you and running away, but I am giving it to you and I'm accompanying you, but this is your stewardship. People are not taking that part seriously, you guys. So, as I'm inviting you this morning to just think about the character of God as a clear communicator, I want that to be the basis for which we make some strong statements about how important it would be in our imitation of Him to also be clear in our communication. Let's not leave people somewhere between clarity Jesus Christ is actually the one I want to worship and love and entrust my life to because he actually died for me. A mixture between that beautiful thing and this poor thing over here. I'm not sure if he really is on my side. I'm not sure. You know, I, this went wrong, and I don't know about this. And man, if I can just get my life cleaned up, I think he's going to accept me more. What a mess. That doesn't get fixed, even though God's totally invested in that. You guys have been there. Some of you have lived that yourself, or you've run into Christians that are having that struggle. It's interesting to think God doesn't just like fix that. These people only hear the truth about his grace. It usually requires someone who's clear on that to come and spend a, a bit of time walking this person towards that understanding of grace. So, my first point, and there's only going to be three. So, don't worry that the first point took the whole time. (laughs) And now we've got no time for the next two. First point is just that the clarity of communication that we know is required out there in order to actually fulfill this great commission is rooted in God's character. Okay? It's rooted there. It's not like a cool fad. It's not a mission methodology. It's not something that we cooked up down there at Radius as we equipped these families to do this. It's just our attempt to imitate God, to be like him, to interact with people the way he does. You know when he spoke to Moses? Moses is out there. He doesn't know what's going on. The, burnt, the bush is on fire, but it's not being consumed. He goes over there to it. Why is Moses taking off his sandals next? Why? God just said it. Moses wasn't like, oh, shoot, if you only knew my language, I wonder what you're trying to get at there. He just, God just spoke to him like he didn't make references to the internet or networking or, you know, some cool apps that might be on the iPhone. God knew about all those apps. He didn't bring that to Moses there. God is relevant. God is clear. We want to be like him. And in this carrying out of the Great Commission, you guys, it's probably one of the biggest um, 
challenges that, that we face out there. I want to tell you a story. I was uh, down in Mexico many, many years ago. Man, I don't even know how many years ago. I think my first, our first daughter was probably just born. So 30, let's say 30 years ago, 31. And uh, Don Asiano Perez, we call him Chano for short. ¿Hay quienes aquí hablan español? ¿Algunos levantan la mano si hablan español? Okay. So Don Asiano Perez and his wife Elsa, they invite me to go on an outreach thing with them. My Spanish was coming along. Um, so I went on the outreach. We went down, saw some of the most incredible poverty I've ever seen before. And uh, while Don Asiano is setting up, we got loudspeaker Elsa, beautiful voice. She's going to sing. People start coming around. Then Donaciano's preaching. I'm out on the fringes talking to people, trying to talk with people. I'm struggling a little bit, and I'm kind of intrigued by the whole scene. We get done. They all come gather around the pickup truck, and they've got some uh, clothes to hand out and some uh, food. So we pack it all up. We get back on the road. This is about three hours down there from the border. We're heading back north, and I said, Donaciano. I was really having a hard time understanding, you know, talking with these guys. And he says, Ron, that's because they don't speak Spanish. <laughs> oh, no. So my next thought was, well, what were we doing? And I'm really glad, actually, that that was my question. You know, there's many people that they're just fine with that. And I, I want to encourage, don't be fine with that. Go ahead and ask that question. So I, I said, uh, so what were we doing? And he said, Ron, we do what we can, and we just trust the Lord with the rest. I don't think so, guys. I, I love Donaciano. He's a great brother. I love him, and I respect him, and I totally get his heart. This is what we can do. Let's do it. You would never do that with that brain surgeon, heart surgeon, even your auto mechanic. You would not do it. I know you wouldn't. He doesn't really know what he's doing. So you give him your car. Let's try and change the alternator. Ah, that didn't work. Your air conditioner still doesn't work. Well, let's try changing the left rear tire. You would never do it. Same thing in this thing, guys. I just... I just want to encourage you. I want to challenge your thinking on this thing. If we're going to represent God and go to these places where he is truly not known and not understood, let's not think that we can just do what we can and trust him for the rest. I don't think that applies in this situation. I think we need to equip ourselves and prepare for the hard work of becoming a proficient communicator in that context so that I can be like God. I can imitate God in the way He communicates. I can be like Him in that way. I want to encourage you with that because it, as we violate that, you guys, the second point that I want to make, first one being that this whole thing is rooted in God's character. It's not some Ron idea, some radius idea, some missions idea. This is just trying to carry out imitating how God has been that's where this is rooted. And my second point is that where it's particularly crucial, the clear communication mandate is in the communication of the gospel. And I've tried to demonstrate that for you here, all the, acting like these were really, really different because in my mind, because of the way Paul spoke in Galatians, I think those things are really hugely different. But 
I don't think people see it that way. I think people feel like you can go out overseas somewhere and just get the name Jesus out there and start asking questions like how many people want Jesus and hands going up and you're not at all aware what are they raising their hands for. What do they think they have just identified? We lived in Mongolia for nine months and I watched the Jesus film come through Mongolia. I'm going to talk to you about syncretism now because it's one of those things in, in my second point here about why we have to be particularly careful in the communication of the gospel. The Jesus film came through Mongolia. And so, man, Mon- Mongolia is a fascinating place. You know? So the people are scattered all over the countryside and they go out in a little van. They, got, they put, put up the sheet and a little tiny Honda generator and they show that thing. There's nothing else to do. The whole, the whole vill- everybody gathers to watch that thing. This really amazing story, really cool guy. It's translated into Mongolian. The light, the things that Jesus does, you know, he pulls a coin out of a people, you know, a fish's mouth. He makes people, blind people can see. He does all kinds of, he walks on top of water. He stops the waves. He, he's amazing. So you get through all that story, and then you ask the Mongolians, how many of you want Jesus? 99%. Boom. I would guess the 1% didn't hear the question. Or we would have had it 100%. But think about it. What do you think they're asking for right there? Are they actually negotiating whether or not they are going to toss aside everything that every ancestor, every person they've ever respected in their entire lifetime... They're putting aside everything that that person, their mom and dad, everyone has ever taught them about life and the spiritual world. They're putting it aside, and they are now clear that Jesus Christ actually died forever, that they stand condemned before God because of their sinfulness. They will be punished by God unless they find a solution for their sin. No, they're not. They have no idea that that's, they don't know anything about that. How many want Jesus? I mean, if that's what he does, he heals, he walks on water, he stops storms. Give me Jesus. But we don't know what we mean, guys. Let's not think that just like we wouldn't let a surgeon just jump in there and see the best he can do, let's not think that the Great Commission is also going to be fulfilled by us kind of throwing out a vague or general idea about Jesus is very good, you're going to want him. No. It's way more complex than that, and there's worldview issues that have to be dealt with. Paul actually prayed. He had a prayer request in Colossians 4.4, and he said, pray for me that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Pray for me. Even Paul did not think, well, I know how to do this thing. Don't worry about that. Clear communication, you guys. That's my second point, that especially in the gospel, it's so important. If you have time, look at your example there in Numbers 22 of God using a donkey to speak. Just take a look at that. You're going to notice some interesting things. That Even when God does the miracle of speaking through a rock or a donkey... He speaks perfectly. The donkey's super relevant. He's actually kind of winsome in the way he builds his argument. Hey, Balaam, the entire time you've known me, have I ever messed with you? 
Balaam's like, you know, if come to think of it. I don't think Balaam realizes he's talking to a donkey at the moment. When God takes over and makes even a donkey speaks, speak, he uses normal syntax, good grammar, precise language, great arguments. He's just, this is God. This is how he does it. Even when he's using a donkey. Even when there's a miracle involved. Okay? My final point, and we'll just close with this, you guys, is that the privilege is just as big or maybe a bit bigger than the challenge. The challenge is big. To actually be that person that goes out, lives among a people until you are a proficient communicator, man, some of you are going to do that. Some of you are going to go and do that. Others of you are going to pray and send your own children. You're going to encourage people who are walking away from the American dream in order to line up with what God's doing to reach these unreached languages. We're all going to have a part. But whatever your part is in it, I just want to close by saying it is a huge privilege. I would say the privilege outweighs the price. To be that person who's sitting there face to face and with the one who's never had access to the truth. And you have become that ambassador. You have, through hard work, sacrifice, probably suffering and loss, you have become that person, and God is speaking through you. God is actually accomplishing this amazing thing of becoming known and loved and worshipped in a new place, and you're sitting on the stinking front row watching it happen because God's doing it through you. That is a huge privilege. Oh, it doesn't hit the headlines back here in the U.S., but that thing is worth dying for. Being in that place is worth dying for, worth giving for, worth sacrificing for, worth praying for. So I want to leave that with you. God is the great communicator. We're only trying to be like him. Number two, precision. Let's not mess with the gospel. Let's not hope for the best, throw out our best and see what happens. And finally, the privilege, man, to be any part that the Lord allows us to play in seeing the gospel go to these unreached languages, it's just a huge privilege. So let me just pray for you guys, and we'll close there. Father, thank you so much for being clear with us. We would, we would still be uh, wandering around. We would be clueless. We would be in darkness. We would invent things to try to explain the world around us, and we'd be completely wrong. You, the great communicator, we're, we're grateful to you, Lord. You did not leave us in that situation. You revealed yourself, and then you brought people into our lives. And we're just so grateful today, Lord, that you are one that speaks. You are one that communicates. And Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters as they think about that big privilege that you've called us into. Everyone's busy Every single ounce of our resources and time and energy are already allocated. We don't come here with a spare anything. And so, Lord, these are tough things for us to think about. What can I possibly do? What can my role be? I just pray for my brothers and sisters, Lord. I pray that you would be the one, not me. No, no pressure, no guilt, no weird stuff like that. You, Lord, just walking each one of us towards different commitments or decisions or, or things that we need to think about and engage with. We just entrust that into your hands. In Jesus' name, 
Amen.